Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. How many of you saw the movie back years ago uh, with, uh, with, uh, uh, about Braveheart? You seen the movie Braveheart? You remember that movie about Mel Gibson's face all painted, the long hair, and we got this big revolt for Scottish freedom, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a part where the whole movie is kind of like this climactic time, and Mel Gibson's part, who's playing the part of William Wallace, he is, uh, he's put together this ragtag band of, of, of people who are going to go to war with, an, with, with a well-armed, well-structured, well-trained army. Sound familiar? Going back to, uh, you know, red coats, and, and you got it? And so they're ready to go. So he's in front of all of his, all of his troops who are just like his, you know, merry man of misfits. And he's saying to them, we have to go. We have to fight. Listen, I want to quote what he says. He says, um, I am William Wallace, and I see before me an army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men, and free men you are. You are free, free from badges, free from flesh, and free to love. What will you do with that freedom? Will you fight? I think the question should be asked for America today. What are you going to do with your freedom? What are you going to do with the grace that God has extended to you, with the mercies that he's extended to you? What will you do with your freedom? Now, at about the time in the movie, this dude on the front line, big guy, eyes about like saucers, looks at him, and here's the quote that he gives. He says, fight against that? No, no, no. We will run and we will live. And then the whole movie comes to a head when Mel Gibson has this line as William Wallace. And he says, yeah, fight and you may die. Run and you'll live for at least a while. And dying in their beds many years from now, you'd be willing to trade all the days from this day to that one for chance, just a chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they will not take our freedom. If, if anything points toward the good old US, US of A, it's that today. That at some point, we've got to say, that's enough. I mean, come on, that's, that's enough. Am I the only one that's finding this presidential uh, season absolutely out of control? I mean, seriously. I, I, look at, I look at Donald, I look at Hillary, and I think, surely that's not the best America offers. And at the same time, I have no patience for anybody who'll say, then I'm not going to do anything. I look at that and think, you're kidding me. We've got five Supreme Court justices hanging in the balance in the, in the future, and you're not going to do anything? And I think to myself, oh, my stars, if ever there's been a time for believers to make a stand, it's now. So the scriptures in Galatians chapter 5 give what I believe is the Bible's declaration of independence. Because in the first verse, Paul starts with this. So Christ has truly set us free. Just stop. There's a period there for a reason. Christ has truly set us free. Paul is setting up, as he's talking to people in Galatia, just like he'd be writing to the book to Sugar Hillians. And he would be saying to you, so Christ has truly set you free, period. And the next word is now, because what you just said means now, you need to do something with it. So Christ has set us free. Now, what does it say? Make sure that you stay free and don't get tied, tied up again in slavery to the law. 
Now, this is getting a little funky here because a lot of us get completely blown away by the argument. Now, he's speaking to a group of people, and these groups of people, they, they know what freedom is because many of them have spent their whole life not free. Most of them have either been a slave or owned slaves. These are people who know what that looks like. And then they have come from an Old Testament Mosaic law that has given them 600 plus laws to follow. And, 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 and in many ways, it's a people who paid more attention to the law than the God of the law. And, and so Paul is writing to them and he says, don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Verse two, listen, I, Paul, tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Now watch this. He's speaking to a people who have made, who have made their life's journey the treasure map, and they forgot the treasure. Their life's journey is the law, not the Christ who came to fulfill the law. Don't you know folks like that in your life? Where it's more important to look right when I go to church than to have my heart right when I leave church. It's more important to make people feel like I've got the perfect family than it is to be a dad or a mom that is invested in your family. What Paul's coming along and saying is the issue here isn't circumcision. Don't let this word get away from you. This was one law and what he's saying to you, because clearly this was their issue. So if Paul were writing the letter to us, he might, it, it might read differently. Look back at the text. When you look back at the text, here's what Paul might have written to us. He, he, he may have said, well, for you people in Sugar Hill, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by wearing the right clothes, cutting your hair the right way, singing the right songs, singing hymns or praise choruses using an organ or a guitar, holding hymnals or being on the screen, wearing a suit or flip-flops, you must obey every re regulation in the whole law of Moses. Because if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the right clothes on and cutting your hair the right way and singing the right songs, you've been cut off from Christ. You say, well, Chuck, I, I, that's not how I read it. Okay then what I would say to you is go back and read it again and see what the Lord has to say to you about law. Is your heart bent more toward law or toward the God of the law? You see, I think what sometimes we, we forget that while the law is one of those things that rubs up and grates us a little bit, there's a reason it's there. If you're going to tweet anything today, grab this one. The law always demands more of us, not less. Grace always demands more of us, not less. Mercy requires more of us, not less. You see, Paul's not giving them a pass to live any way they want. He's not giving them a pass to think anything they want. What he's trying to say to them is, if we have a heart full of Christ Jesus, how much easier will it be to live in the law? How much easier will it be to live and walk with the one who came to fulfill the law? Jesus. And so as the story goes on, we begin to understand, how would this look like in the good old U.S. of A? Well, I, I would argue 
that God is not limited by donkeys or Republicans. He is most certainly not limited by the DNC or the RNC. He is not limited based on a convention that is designed for television. He is not limited by any of those things. You see, if Donald Trump is elected in November, that night while he is accepting the nomination or is he accepting the election to be the president of the United States, God will not have changed. He will still be sitting on the throne and his word and his way will continue. If Hillary Clinton gets elected that night when she is accepting this, this, this highly elected office, when she's doing that, you know what will be happening? God will not have changed. He'll be sitting on the throne, and his word and his way will not have wavered. And so while we may fret and we may worry, I will promise you God's not walking through the halls of heaven going, oh, no, what am I going to do? Because I'll guarantee you the Lord God is walking through saying, I need a few of my people to stand up. I need a few of my guys to stand up. I need a few of my gals to stand up. I need a few families who will say, we are going to get it right in our home and we're going to get it right in our neighborhood, and we're going to get it right in our church, and we're going to get it right on our ball fields, and we're going to get it right in our workplace and on the golf course. And when we do, then the heart of God will once again be the target for America. But you know what I find is so easy? It's so easy to look at somebody who speaks in front of public people all the time and find something wrong with them. It's so easy to look at these candidates or the decisions they make. It's just so easy to find what's wrong. Sometimes I think we forget. We, Jesus gave us a pretty good teaching on this. I mean, Jesus' teaching was, you know, while you're busy finding the splinter that can't be seen by the naked eye in, in somebody else's life, do you not see that you've got a telephone pole sticking out of yours? Jesus' teaching was, instead of firing up some Facebook message about how somebody else's bathroom is dirty, how about going into yours because it looks like you need to use a pressure washer, dude? You see, America's not going to be great again because of who's elected the president. America will be great because of what God does in our heart because only in him only because he sent his son to die and shed his blood and be buried in a borrowed tomb and raised three days later and push that stone away and hang out with hundreds of people and then leave to go to heaven to create a home for all who believe. America's not going to be great again until we believe that. I mean, freedom that we take for granted, Paul is saying it's found in God and God alone. I, I think the apostle Paul would look at this presidential election and go, you've got to be kidding me, Really? And I think he would say, you know what? You guys don't get hung up on this. Turn your hearts toward God. Find where you need to find peace. And if that means you need to repent and find what you, what you have to do to turn your life around, if that means, you know, you, you need to open your life up and receive for the first time, if, if that means return to what you once loved, if that means become a, a prayer in your life like never before, then do so. If it means you need to go serve. But most importantly, we are called to freedom. Let me read this because we celebrate July 4 tomorrow. We celebrate it and because on that day, our nation's founders signed the Declaration of Independence in 1776. And now, 240 years or so later, we're still celebrate that, celebrating that, but listen to why. Here's what they said. 
When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitled them. Listen to that. Assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and, and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to be separated. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created evil or equal. I know a lot of guys who are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, our founding fathers, they, they saw separation of church and state as religion as it is an organized, not separation of God from country. They saw, they saw it separate of somebody telling you the God you had to worship. That not being, being our problem. But our founders came together and said, these are the laws of our land, that God would govern these that he would be the supreme commander. You say, well, Chuck, I, I, I don't know. Well, let, me, let me read that most important line again. Endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Listen, Thomas Jefferson and company knew that our freedoms came from God, not from the government. Our freedoms don't come because we have less or greater debt. Our, our freedom comes because God himself sits on the throne and we recognize that, honor that, and fall on our knees before that. It's just not, it's not that complicated. But you see, I believe at present today in America, we have a lot of voices who would say the only way that you can secure that legacy is if you take God and make him off limits in matters of all politics. My friend, that's a lie. That's a lie. You see, the truth is our founding fathers said, no, you cannot separate the fact that God is the only one that can give you true freedom God is the only one that can bring this into your life. He is the only one that lets you speak in truth. He is the only truth. And somewhere along the way, we stopped telling the world that God is the way for fear that that's a hate crime. Oh my goodness. But they also believe something else. They believe that political freedom couldn't exist without moral freedom. You see, they knew that freedom cost you something. Listen, I am always amazed. I had the privilege one time of standing on, 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 on a beachhead and collecting a test tube of sand where, where my uncle and many others fought in D-Day in to secure freedoms for the world. I think back about the brave men and women who came from England and got here and fought, fought for freedom. I believe they would say to us as believers today, come on people, get a backbone. Stand for something. I read this uh, several years ago in a book entitled uh, The Decline and Fall of the Athenian Republic. And you say, well, why would you read that to get a great quote like this? It was written by a guy by the name of Alexander Titler. And uh, in his book, he defines and, and, and begins to give us a chilling warning. L listen to what he said. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been 200 years. Now stop and think, how old is America? Are you with me? How old is America? So we're, we, we're past that a few decades, right? These nations have progressed through the following sequence, from bondage to spiritual faith, spiritual faith to great courage, 
from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependency, and from dependency back to bondage. I got to tell you, when I read those 10, America's knocking on the door of number eight. But it is time for the people of God to recognize that freedom is not coming from our government. Listen, it, if you want to vote Democrat, knock yourself out. You want to re- vote Republican, knock yourself out. But you and your family at some point have to choose, is God the real deal for freedom in my fi- family, freedom in my life or not? And when you do and you make that choice, I'll promise you God will give you wisdom on whether you vote for donkeys or elephants. And you know, it's interesting. I, I, had a, I had a preacher friend ask me this week. He said, so uh, what do you think the percentage of de- Democrats versus Republicans are in your church? And I thought to myself, that's a pretty good question. And then I thought, I don't want to know. <laughs> They're just some nightmares you don't want to, you know, just face. It's just like, okay, I'm going to leave that ghost underneath the bed. <laughs> I got Josh Clark down there. He's Republican. I mean, I can, I, Josh, you, you're going to hang in there with me, aren't you? I mean, I know you live in California now. Are you really an American? <laughs> I mean, you moved to the foreign mission field, dude. What is up with that? George Washington knew this. Listen, listen to the words from Washington's farewell address. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, faith in God and morality are indispensable supports. That's George Washington. You say, well, that's not enough. John Adams, second president. It is faith in God and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. The only foundation of a free constitution is a pure virtue. You didn't get enough of John Adams? All right, listen to this. We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Okay, you want a little more? Ben Franklin. I mean, it doesn't get any any more American than Ben Franklin, does it? Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. Because see, freedom asks more from us, not less. Freedom says, okay, you got this big wide berth. You can run, you can live. But God comes along and says, I'm giving you plenty of room. I mean, when you head up toward North Georgia, you go up 400 and you get off one of those side roads, you start headed toward one of those little towns. Have you ever noticed that there's something in you that wants to go faster? Or is it just me? I mean, like, Rusty, I, I know you must do this. I mean, every time I see a winding road, I want to punch it. Don't you, just, don't you want to see just how fast you go down a curve? And some of you say, no, Chuck, don't admit it. I do it every time. You know what I'm grateful for? Guardrails. If you've never been saved by a guardrail, you look at them and think, whoa, those things are keeping me in the road. But if you've brushed up against one and it did keep you from falling over the cliff, Aren't you glad for guardrails? Listen, God comes along and says, here's my law, here's my grace. You run in between of them. Point your toes toward God, run as fast as you can. And when you fall, get up, dust off, and run again. Because see, America has got to stop thinking that laws and grace are designed to be walls to separate us from people and God. They are fences to protect us. They're there so we can run freely. They're there so we can live freely. God has come along and said, I love you so much and all your messed up selfishness and sinfulness, God has said, I'm going to come along and I'm going to give you an out. I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm going to give you freedom found in Christ Jesus and in him alone. 
You see, the laws of God call us to true freedom. They, they, they don't confine us, they free us. Real freedom is going to come from living within the reality of God's physical and God's spiritual direction for our life. But see, you, you, you'll never experience that until you spent time in God's Word. You spent time with Him. You say, well, Chuck, I don't have time for God. Then are you willing to put a match to freedom? Because that's where we're going to find it. Go down to verse 13 in Galatians 5. It says, for, for you have been called to live in freedom. Is that not great? You have been called to live in freedom. Now, you know, it's easy to say when you're a preacher like me, you're, you're able to say, well, I've been called to be the pastor of Sugar, Sugar Hill Church. Way before I was called to be a pastor of Sugar Hill Church, I was called first to the presence and the power of Jesus and his forgiveness for my life. I was called to him. Secondly, I was, I was called to God's purposes, which are all about people. I was called with passions to be about something that was unique and different that God had in store for me. I was called to be a daddy and a husband and a granddad. All those things happened before I got called here. But watch this. I have never been called with a higher calling than you've got. Because you've been called to freedom found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And that's it. You say, well, Chuck, I don't feel like I'm called. Then when's the last time you spent a few time in the word of God and you let the freedom of Christ ring out? What if, we, what if we turned Toby Keith's song down a little bit and turned up Galatians 5 in our heart? He says you've been called to live in freedom. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. You know what he's really saying there? So when you grow up in Christ and you've got all this new knowledge and you're like super spiritual... Don't pull a pin on the hand grenade of a Bible verse and lob it in a room and let it explode. Love people with it. You know why we make a big deal around here about serving people and caring for people and making a difference? This is what it means to live in love. Verse 14 says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Okay, America, if that's not a message, I don't know what is. Beware of devouring one another. The Bible uses a lot of word pictures to describe what Christ has done for us. He's, he saves us. The ancients, they, they, they had a beautiful picture of what, what we're called to be. But it all started with being called to freedom in Christ. When we say, man, when we get Jesus right, we're going to get everything. You know, if you look at America... If our hearts were in, in line with God, if, if, if our passions, if our purity was on, on the line for God, America would be really different. We, we as an American church, we're real good about this one phrase. You know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Well, I've heard that all my life because I've been in church all my life. Man, you love the sinner, hate the sin. Look right here. You know what I'm convinced of? I, I believe we ought to love the sinner but I think if we're going to have America great, you know what we need? We need, we need to deal with our own sin. If, 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 if we find it so easy to find out what's wrong with everybody else, I, I am telling you, that's a mark that we need to look in the mirror and deal with us. You say, well, Chuck, I am a virtuous, upstanding man. I, I, I've got this. Then you desperately need to take a look. 
You see, real freedom comes from living within God's plan. When we hear this good news, we accept the fact, we decide we want to be free. Christ comes in. You say, well, Chuck, I don't understand how it all works. Watch this. So, born in the good old U.S. of A., and freedom is a given. And then somewhere in our life, we come with this direct confrontation in our life that says, wait a minute. God created me, and he loves me, but wow, I'm selfish, and I'm sinful, and I want things my own way, and I'm, I'm pouty, and I'm, and I'm, I'm a gossiper, and I'm a blah, 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 blah. You just go on, right? But God says, well, I love you, so I'm going to give you a way in which you can get freedom back into your life. You can be at peace. And he says, I'm going to send my own son, Jesus, that he would die on a cross and shed his blood and be buried in a barred tomb. And three days later, he stood up off that cold slab and he shook off everything that was anything related to death. And he pushed that stone out of the way and he went and hung out with a few hundred people. And then he went to heaven to create all a place for all who would believe. And Jesus is saying, that's freedom. You want freedom, you better start there. You see, being an American, being an American doesn't give you freedom anymore than being born in a donut shop makes you a donut. Our choice right now is we gotta, we gotta choose to decide where does freedom really come from? And when we get that right, we will inevitably get the rest of this right. But as Americans, we, we might need to turn Bill O'Reilly off a little bit and turn Billy Graham on. We might, we might need to turn Sean Hannity off a little bit and maybe take a little time to hear what God has to say about freedom. Because, my friend, if you want a measure of true freedom, open the windows and the doors of your heart and let the world see who's sitting on the throne. Now we're going to know what true freedom is. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, it is good to live in America. We are a spoiled and rotten people. We are selfish, we are cynical, and Lord, before you, we just tell you we're so sorry. God, what you started in the hearts of men that gave of their life and changed the world by getting here, what you formed in the hearts and the agony of the men who put together what we know as our declaration of independence. God, clearly in all those writings, you were in the thick of that. Lord, as Hector talked about, about North Korea, I, I thought about Cuba, and I thought there are churches in Cuba today meeting and praising the Lord in private because of Sugar Hill Church. And I thought, Lord, don't ever let us lose that. God, don't let us become apathetic like that book said. So start in our heart right now where we ask freedom in the, in, in the form of Jesus. God, come into our life, forgive us, clean us up, make us new call us into, into freedom and in you. And then God, give us strength to, to run hard within your, your guardrails. Lord, with law on one side and with grace on the other, God, we just, we would point our toes toward you and we'd run as hard as we can. And God, America's great again when our heart is turned toward God. God, birth that in our families and in our lives and in our, our communities this week with passion and with truth and with fervor. Lord, we love you. I, 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 can't even, I can't even imagine how you still love us. I, really, I just can't even wrap my head around that. But God, thank you that you do. So Lord, call us into freedom once again. 
I pray each of us would open the windows and the door of our heart and place you on the throne of our life, knowing that is freedom at its best. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.